Hey, how's it going? Welcome to Tell You What, the podcast, where we talk with musicians about songwriting and the creative process. Our guests this time are Vivian Leva and Riley Calcagno. We discuss their excellent self-titled record that was released last year, 2021. I was able to interview Vivian and Riley in person last fall at the Americana Fest in Nashville. It was my first in-person interview in quite some time. It was a real treat to be able to do that. And I appreciate them for making the time in their busy Americana Fest schedule to sit down with me. As you will hear in the discussion, they had two different bands they are a part of that were both showcasing artists at the fest. Okay, a bit of business first, and for this I am joined once again by Susan, the spiritual advisor to the podcast. Hello, Susan. Hello. I know everyone, including you, Susan, have been anxiously awaiting the results of our first ever listener contest. Strangers have been stopping me on the street demanding to know who won, right? Right. Thank you to all of you who entered. It took us a while to process all the entries. They've been stacked up in piles all over the Tell You What studios here. So let's cut to the chase. Our winner, whose guess was the closest to the actual answer, was Peter H. I will protect Peter's full identity from the press for the time being, but Peter is a friend of the podcast. He also happens to be a talented musician and part of the open mic uh, at oh, Grand Posse. that Peter. Okay. Yes, that Peter. We know a lot of Peters. Uh-huh. He's also part of the open mic at Grand Posse Place in Glenview, Illinois, if any of you would like to hear his talents on display on a Tuesday night. Peter will be receiving his Tell You What merch bundle shortly. And to all of you who missed out this time, be on the lookout for our next competition. More valuable prizes coming your way. Right? Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so I really enjoyed this discussion with Vivian and Riley. We've had guests before that grew up, as these two did, playing and participating in the traditional old-time and or bluegrass worlds as children. The members of Lula Wiles, for example. Uh, more recently, we had Rachel Bayman on... Now, these artists are now making music that contains the roots of the traditional styles, but in a more contemporary Americana style. Vivian and Riley, interestingly, have on the one hand kept playing the old-time traditional music and songs continuously since their youth in the band The Onlys, of which they are both members. On the other hand, they, as a duo, have now created this amazing album of original songs, which are certainly rooted in the musical traditions they grew up in, but at the same time offer fresh and unique arrangements, lyrical styles, and themes drawn from the current moment. This dual ongoing musical expression that they are part of gave us a lot of interesting things to discuss. So check out this great record titled Vivian Leva and Riley Calcogno. I really love it, and I think many of you will also. One more piece of business. Some of you may notice a slight upgrade in the sound quality of this podcast episode, Maybe you won't because you thought it sounded great before. That's fine. But we have been working to fine-tune the sound things around here, and I would like to thank Pittsburgh's favorite Foley artist, Kevin Lynch, who has been graciously providing me with insights in this ongoing learning process. Thank you, Kevin. Yes. Also, quick shout-out to Devin Ledger at Hearth Music for helping make this conversation happen. That is much appreciated as well. So... Let's get to it. Here is our Tell You What discussion with Vivian Leva and Riley Calcagno.
Riley. Welcome to Tell You What, the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. We are here in Nashville at our Tell You What satellite studios. <laughs> it's pretty nice, don't you think? It's great. I can't yeah. believe you, uh, yeah, just incredible uh, remote location. You got yeah, we, well, we took some of the uh, generous podcast revenues, all the profits we've been making, plowed them back in and, and, and <laughs> built the studio. Um, so I'm glad you appreciate it. But we are here at Americana Fest, um, and I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to have you here doing this on-location interview. Your record, self-titled record, came out about six months ago. Do I have that right? Mm-hmm. It has gotten some attention, well-deserved. I think it is really great, so congratulations for that. Thank you. Thank you. I often find it interesting to talk to artists after their records have been out for a bit. Mm. Um, Now that you've had some time to reflect on the songs after they've been out in the world, kind of living out there. So do you find your relationship to the songs has changed since they've been out in the world? Well, I, I'm not sure if it's... I still feel close to, to the songs, um, especially because um, when we released the record, um, we hadn't actually been playing them very much because right. we recorded we recorded all the music in January, the beginning of January of 2020. And so that was, that was right kind of before, a while ago, yeah. and that was a couple months before everything shut down. And then... We were in lockdown and weren't playing shows, really, and only since this summer have we been able to actually perform them live and kind of revisit them. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, even though the songs are old in some ways, they're kind of being renewed right yeah. now for us, mm-hmm. I think, or at least for me. Yeah. Mm. I feel like I'm sort of playing covers. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, just so that's, been, the, that's a different take on yeah. this. Which is actually kind of nice when you're so removed from writing the songs, you know, like three years plus sometimes, like removed from writing the songs. It feels a little bit like we're playing someone else's songs. It's a, it's a prior version of ourselves. So it's, it's fun to get up and just present something that doesn't feel so immediate. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Okay, normally at this time, I would take us back in time and I might ask about early musical memories, what from your youth has made its way into what you are creating now. I think I need to take a different approach here as you two have been doing what you are doing one way or another since you were very young, right? You've been immersed (laughs) in this kind of music. So let's talk a bit about that. Hmm. Vivian, you grew up with parents, very highly regarded musicians in the traditional string band, old time music world, right? I did. In Virginia. So would you say you were immersed in a musical world as a kid? Is that the world you lived in? Yeah, absolutely. My parents were, are both in the traditional old time music scene. Um, My dad learned fiddle from Tommy Jarrell and my mom was um, learning from ballad singers and they were in a bunch of string bands and they got really into that music and growing up they would bring me to old time music festivals and and um things like that and at the same time they were kind of branching out into other or extending that genre of old time music and they were are also songwriters and so right. they were in a great duo together um Jones and Leva and they when i was very little they were touring and bringing me along with them so um, and then when I was about nine, I started 
playing with my dad and his bands. Wow. Um, and so throughout... Fiddle. Sp- um, I, I was playing guitar and singing. Okay. And he played... He, he wrote songs and sang traditional songs and played fiddle and guitar and things. Yeah, so that, that was something I did throughout my... When I was a teenager, as, more seriously when I was maybe 15 through when I graduated high school, I was performing with him. But... Yeah, that combination of just kind of growing up in the old time world and, you know, that stretched across the country and going to different festivals and then also them doing it um, professionally and kind of being a part of that is, um, yeah, my background in in Virginia. (laughs) And Riley, you found your way pretty early to a similar musical scene, right? When you were pretty young. Yeah, so I grew up in Seattle um, and... Kind of like Viv, I grew up going to fiddlers conventions on the West Coast, not the East Coast. Um, so kind of removed of of where that music came from. But in the in the '60s and the '70s, the '80s, it made its way across the country in right. the folk revival. Um, and my dad kind of jumped from experimental, uh, weird sound music to old time fiddle music. Interesting uh, jump <laughs> in the '90s. And and I asked for a fiddle when I was two years old, and just got kind of kind of sucked into this this fiddle scene. It was actually a weird coincidence in... Wait, in, you asked for a fiddle when you were... When, when I was two, okay. yeah. I was just like, I want to do that. I don't think I could say the word fiddle when I yeah. was two. <laughs> <laughs> I, they gave me like, you know, uh, a tiny one and I just scratched away at it. I yeah. had a little ukulele. I mean, I think a lot of kids are sort of transfixed by something. Yeah. I, I also liked firefighters and <laughs> and uh, stuff like that. But fiddle was one of the things I was, was into and... Yeah, I grew up in that in that fiddle scene. Yeah. I understand you formed your first band at the age of... Seven. Seven. Yeah. And if I have this right, the lineage of that band continues, right? Yeah. That was the onlys? It was the onlys. It was yeah. the onlys. Well, it, it, was, it is the onlys. It is it the is onlys. The onlys. <laughs> I, yes, present tense. The onlys are playing here at Americana Fest. Yes. Vivian, you are now a member of the onlys. I am. Yeah, I've been added (laughs) (laughs) this this may be some kind of americana fest record of some sort i think your kindergarten band has continued on and now i'm gonna have to check the archives americana fest archives to see if something like that has ever happened it's fascinating we'll have to go deep in the stacks yeah don't Uh, you think that's amazing yeah it is wild it's it's this band that uh i met these these friends uh sammy and leo from the onlys we met i met sammy at swim class we were one and a half I met Leo at the at the indoor playground. We were two, um, and our dads bonded over playing fiddle and banjo music. And, okay, and we got into into playing the band. When yeah, we were seven. This is an amazing story. So, when did you two first connect musically? Well, it's it, there's so many little overlapping things. So mm-hmm. we we didn't actually uh, meet until 2016. We were both um, just. Just had just graduated high school, and it, this was the summer after that. But at least Riley definitely knew about me <laughs> and my family because he grew up listening to my right. parents' music and all their different bands. He had all their their recordings, and Sammy and Leo also did as well. And actually, one thing that we learned after I was added to the band. Um, is that Leo and I met also when we were two years old, hmm. when my parents were on tour on the West Coast and they dropped me off at someone's house for a play date. They knew they had a kid my age and they needed a babysitter while they went and, and played a show. And it turned out it was Leo. Hopefully. You found um, this out years later. Yes. 
Yeah. Did you write any songs during that time? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Leo's um, post his song yeah. right face now. <laughs> yeah, but there there was definitely overlaps in, you know, who we knew and, and the music that we were making on opposite sides. And it wasn't until my mom and I were in Washington teaching at a, a vocal camp and, called VoiceWorks. And Riley and the, the Onlys were coming for the following week. Um, called Fiddle Tunes, and they happened to come a few days early, and we overlapped by two nights, maybe. Right. And um, just, I think we were really excited about the fact that we were all of the exact same age in the same phase of life, which is not um, always common in in the in this world. Usually, there's like some some age differences. Right. Um, which is great, but it was just exciting to to meet people a true pure. my own age, yeah. and yeah, we just played played music all night, and um, I kind of joined the Onlys as a guest for a while on tour, and and Riley and I started also doing um, experimenting with being a duo and writing songs together. Um, so those kind of happened ar- around the same yeah. time, I would say, yeah. So were you, you can each answer this question, writing original music from the earliest days of your musical lives? I I think I was. I was making up songs when I was five or six, and they kind of grew once I learned how to play the guitar when I was ten. So you would just sing melodies, that kind of thing? With words, yeah. Yes. I'd make up melodies and words, mm-hmm. maybe uh, tinker on the piano. But um, yeah, I think my songwriting probably like took off when I was... 13, I'd mm-hmm. say, but I was I was always making stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that fascinates me, Viv, about your early songwriting is that it was so incredibly dark. <laughs> there's a, still is. a boot, I mean, still is. There's a, a bootleg tape of her songs. How old were you with that CD that Al Tharp recorded? Like 12? Probably. And there's a song just like... Just that describes a plane crash oh, wow. in like slow motion uh, in, in all the, the horror. Uh, it's... I, I don't know. Not the not no gore. No gore. Just but emotional. The emotional <laughs> side of plane crash, yes. which maybe is like yeah. Well, I don't think that I would have wanted to hear the songs my children would have written when they were twelve <laughs> or thirteen. They were probably fairly dark and probably didn't have a nice thing to say about me. You know, well, what do you um, expect? The first song that my dad taught me was the murder ballad. Yeah. On all the oh the wind and rain so there you go that was in, in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> how about you Riley when when was original music become part of what you were doing I think um you know growing up it was it was I was pretty strictly into fiddle music and and playing instrumental kind of stuff yeah uh, but when I got to start feeling things as a as a as a tween you know I started to try to put some of those things to lyrics mostly ill-fated attempts. Uh, that are unfortunately documented for the public record. Uh, and <laughs> I've tried to scour the internet and remove <laughs> clips, but uh, <laughs> there's some early examples of, uh, of songwriting. So you're 13, 14 years old. Yeah, mostly abstract. Abstract and depressing. Were you accompanying yourself on the fiddle for these early attempts? I was playing by that time guitar, guitar banjo, yeah. um, and, and we were arranging some of those songs in the onlys. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about the old-time music tradition. We had Rachel Bayman on the podcast. You actually said you listened to part of that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'll go check it out. Yeah. I, I enjoy talking to her about her time uh, when she was younger in this tradition. I, 
I find it interesting to hear about traditional music forms in terms of creative process. So this style, old time style, involves learning songs that are passed down through the years, generally speaking, right? Mm -hmm. So can you talk about how you view creativity within this tradition, both in terms of playing this canon of existing songs and how new songs find their way into this tradition? I think that a lot of the ways that we bring new songs in this, into the tradition and in the really traditional material we play is, is actually by kind of going backwards. So, um, you know, scouring archives and finding little clips of, um, of things that we haven't heard before. We were just talking about how it is really hard to find original sounding old songs. Mm. And then Viv's parents, uh, have, and, and Viv, you, you've written some really, some songs that sort of toe that line that really sound like string band music, but are, but are original. So I think it's a kind of about contributing to the, the, the already the existing sonic landscape of, of traditional old time music. What do you think? Well, if when you're when you're learning traditional, thing, even though it's kind of a set, you know, existing things that you wouldn't necessarily think of as being like creative, right? Um, it is a creative process to go back and listen to all these things, find what's interesting, and mm. then and then kind of rework it so that it's you can play it yes. um, because some a lot right. of it is irregular or um, difficult to hear. Maybe there's like, you know, not all the verses are recorded or, you know, all these things that are cool to listen to, but not, aren't necessarily easy to play. So for instance, with the onlys, it's always, it's a fun process when we're trying to find new material of just going and listening, seeing what, what kernel is interesting to us. And then, trying to rework it together yeah. um, in a way that feels true to how we, you know, how we play music and, um, but like still keeping the essence yes. of the tune or song and I think it's similar for, for songwriting. Um, I don't, I don't ever sit down and, and think, Oh, I want to write a song that sounds old or like that sounds like this other thing that already exists. But um, those songs are definitely in, my my mind and my heart <laughs> and so I think I think I also when I'm writing songs there might be something that seems something that's classic or or referencing an older tradition but that the words for instance are truer to my like present feelings not yes. just kind of you know you might I might make a nod at a at a well-worn lyric or something, yes. but to carry it on into something that's genuine to your cont like contempt the moment. Yes, you know um, this is kind of making me think of um, our our bandmate Sammy Brayman was digging around in the in some archives, some uh, recordings that someone had sent her from from the Berea College archives, and found this recording of this woman Queen Ban Bell Randolph singing this song called "Dear Little Soldier Boy." Um, and it was a song that she had written. She was from uh, North Carolina, Yancey County, I think. Uh, and it was a song that she had written about her son leaving for the Vietnam War. And she also played fiddle and, and uh, fiddle tunes. And anyway, we put it together. Sammy had this great sort of like vision for how to dig in an archive and find something that would fit the band. So right. she brought this song to us and we worked it up in, in a way that was definitely our own, but sort of faithful to the recording. And 
put it out on, on our latest only CD. And just this week, there's a video of us playing it online and her son, a different son from the one who unfortunately died in the, mm. in the war, um, commented and said, I remember my mom singing this as a kid. Uh, and that kind of blew, I was thinking about that this morning. It kind of blew my mind how wild that would be to, to hear the song from your childhood and on YouTube from yeah. this random band from Seattle. Uh, just the song that your mom sang around the house that was somehow documented by an archivist. That's, archivist. A, great, that's a great story. And it kind of brings to life that thread of traditional music, right? right. About how these things survive and mm-hmm. make their way from generation to generation. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they really make their way in a way that is hard for us to understand and yes. is sort of bizarre and almost surreal. Yeah. So a lot of the songs you play in that tradition are classics. They've been around, let's say, forever, for mm-hmm. a long time, right? Mm-hmm. You don't even know where some of them came from. Do you allow yourselves to think about some of the songs you are writing maybe will have that kind of life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't never know. Thought I've never that. thought about that. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I like when, when you're go- looking back at old songs, like a lot of those songs kind of, there's like hundreds of songs that have a similar melody. Right. Or like with just slight variations on lyrics. So that's like part of the tradition. So I sometimes wonder if songs just need to like compound on each other uh, to, to gain, to gain sort of that traditional status. So you know, maybe it's possible that something, some phrase that we write or yeah. some little melody will find itself into another song that'll t- morph into another song. Someone will find it in the, the metaverse. Yes. I think that's, where, that's where they'll find it. You all are very busy musicians. You have two different bands performing here at Americana Fest. You have your duo, Act and The Onlys, which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. How do you look at the music you are creating and playing in these different ventures do you feel like you're putting on different hats, creative hats for the different bands? Um, string band over here, songwriting, and I use air quotes here, indie style of duo music over here. And you shift back and forth, or is it more of just a melting pot in your brain? I think for me, they are totally different switches. We were at a Fiddler's yeah. convention a couple weekends ago, and we were playing both an only set and, and, and a duo set, and we've the festival was just sitting around in the field playing fiddle tunes. And when it came time to rehearse for our duo set, it was like, whoa, what are we doing here? This is bizarre to be playing these emotional songs to all these fiddle picking, not uh, banjo picking heads. Yeah. Um, yeah. It feels like the original songs feel like this sort of more like solitary or like vulnerable too. Yeah. More. Cause we very rarely play, play the same events as both the, the duo and the, the string band so normally there's they're, they're totally separate but it was really interesting being tr- doing these like two different totally different sets back to back and yeah it's a it's different hats to different feelings creative processes like it's the only is fun mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a really fun um energetic band um even though you know some of the traditional songs are might be about death or like you know Work oh. accidents or all of the traditional all of them <laughs> mining working on a railroad. Yes. You know, it's not that the subject matters are, yeah. are that happy, but there's a certain joy um, yes. in playing them. And also, there's you know, there's four of us, so we're really 
there's just a lot of energy and we get to play off of each other. And So do you find that that um, brings a balance to what you're doing? Like if you're only doing one or the other, do you think that in effect one ends up helping the other by giving you this balance? I definitely love having yeah. both projects going. Um, they're, they're, these are both two, two parts of two kinds of music that I really value. And mm-hmm. um, I love playing old time music. I also wouldn't want to only play old time music. I love writing songs and being real <laughs> about yeah. what I am going through and feeling and getting to incorporate all of the musical styles that that I listen to and enjoy and, you know, not, yeah, not having to keep it in a box, but, you know, play with country music and indie music and yep. pop and, you know, all that stuff. So um, they're both very important to me and also different, but, you know, not that different. It's, they, they come from the same place, but... Well, speaking of the different styles of music, Riley, if I have this correct, you studied classical music at some point, right? <laughs> I College. did, yeah. How do you see any of that classical music influence in what you're doing with these projects? Mm. I grew up kind of between going to fiddlers conventions and playing gigs with the onlys. I was like shedding on this old classical music um, as a kid, uh, and I kind of stumbled into conservatory. Without was there a particular instrument that you were studying? Yeah, on on the violin. Violin, okay. Yeah, um, I, I didn't last too long um, doing that because I was leaving so much to play gigs, right. and 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 when I was supposed to be practicing my my etudes, I was like playing Willie Nelson songs on the piano, uh, <laughs> and and it just wasn't something that felt like, you know, I think music needs to feel like you need to do it, mm. um, but there is something about classical music that there's a, preci- a precision, you know, like a p- attention to detail right. that I think um, that other musics can borrow from. I think music sounds better when it's when it's thoughtfully put together and has, you know... Discipline. Uh, discipline. And, and in classical music, you're thinking about how the music conveys emotion um, or conveys like a certain uh, feeling or vibe. And, and you're doing that. It's like, it's like a painting, like you're, it's, it's abstract, but you're giving it life or you're giving it feeling. And I think that I try to do that sometimes in our duo, like with my guitar parts or, right. or banjo parts or fiddle parts, um, trying to like paint around the meaning of the song. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't like think about classical music that much these days, even though I love it. I think it's beautiful stuff, but I think it has taught me like little, it's in there, little kernels yeah. of, of how to, dance around i had the the brother brothers on Mm -hmm. the show they started out as classical student music students and Mm -hmm. then found their way to bluegrass and they talked about how refreshing the collaborative community aspect of string music was after kind of the competitive world of of yeah classical music training i would say that classical music in my mind is in a bit of a crisis Mm -hmm. um because it's music that's deeply beautiful um so well put together and has so much power behind it, but it's not being in, in the, in the common conservatory, I think it's not being reimagined. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's starting to change. And I think people actually are taking inspiration from the fiddle world and from the string, like uh, creative string community and, and giving new spins to, to how they think about um, 
that that old music and yeah. how they might write new music. So I think there's a lot of hope in the classical world, but for me, it wasn't something that felt like I needed to be playing it. So there's there's a lot of people who do feel like that. They it's like if they if they don't if they're not playing classical music, they're not breathing. Right. Um, um, one more question about this topic. Can we maybe draw a parallel between classical music and the old time tradition in the terms of how they both draw from this canon of songs and, and mm. are learning the same songs through time? I think about that a lot because I, I do think that in, a, in this weird way, and not a weird way actually, classical music is traditional music. You're learning, even though it's written down, you're, you're, you are learning a sort of canon of songs that's, whether you realize it or not, been interpreted or been put together in a specific way, and you're learning a version of it um, through, like, the string pedagogy or whatever. Um, And I think that, actually, classical music doesn't realize it, but it could learn. And I think it is starting to learn from... From the folk world, from the old time world, yeah. and and just people, getting, yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> and people getting together and and playing for joy. Uh, I think that's right. that's something that doesn't happen as much as as it should. Yeah, in the, in that the was kind of the vibe scene. I got from talking to the brothers brothers about the joy they found when they went into the rest world that was kind of missing from what they did. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Okay, let's talk about collaboration in your creative process, maybe in the context of how this. Um, wonderful album came together. I understand you were in different parts of the country as most of these songs came to life, right? Mm-hmm. So can you maybe compare and contrast the times that you have worked that way? We're sending bits of ideas back and forth, an asynchronous process, right? You can kind of respond when you get around to it mm-hmm. versus the times when you work together in the same room. How did that, how did you each approach? Did you find you were, your creative process individually is different when you were in the room versus yeah. separated. Yeah, well, it's funny because you would think that being far apart would make it difficult to collaborate together and right. write, create new music. Um, but for me, at least, it was um, probably the best situation for us, actually, <laughs> when, we're, when, when we were writing. I personally don't like writing in the same room at mm-hmm. the same time. Um, I need to have space and be alone <laughs> to do it. Um, and so this was actually kind of a, a difficult but a good setup where we would we were visiting each other fairly, you know, fairly often, and so we could present or like share things that we were working on and get enough. Uh, excitement and inspiration for, from each other to to fin- either finish a song or go home and work on it more on our own and then bring it to each other the next time we saw each other over voice memo or or whatever but just having that degree of separation well one and was inspiring just subject wise um, for a lot of the songs mm-hmm. content and also it just gave at least me space. to to work on my own but like enough accountability to (laughs) to still create did you find a difference Riley in the different methods I felt a lot of those same things we'd really like pass little kernels back and forth I'm a good song starter but a Mm. horrible song finisher Um, so Viv always uh, helps me you know figure out where to go with something and oftentimes Viv turns out these beautiful 
pretty much full-formed songs in one sitting. <laughs> That's happened a couple times on this wow. record, and and one example I think is Hollowed Hearts, which is a yes. song on on this record. We're going to get to that. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite song on the record, and it kind of came out in one sitting, except for one line. Yeah, uh, one line. So I got one line in there. <laughs> um, so sometimes it'll just be tiny little holes that I'll I'll help yeah. in. With the last well you, you you went there let's talk about this song yeah there's often a song on a record that I just keep coming back to it grows on me and often I don't really know why I, I keep coming back to that song this there's something special about this song I can't quite put my finger on it but I keep coming back and, and what do you think what do you think about this song and do you understand kind of what I'm saying about there's something there that that is musically special about this mm-hmm. song <laughs> what do you think? Well, I, I mean, I didn't write it, so I agree with you. Uh, and to me, it's like this song that just holds so much feeling. Um, I think not just in the lyrics, but also just like the tension of the, the melody right. and the chords. And it's just like every time we play it on stage, it's like feels like the most um, most intense, but also the most like cathartic song. Mm-hmm. So I think this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's just a lot of um, kind of te- like tension and release, just quarterly and melodically. There's I don't a know, seeming not... simplicity here that is deceptive, I think, in this song. Yeah. Yeah, this was one of the songs that just totally came out, <laughs> um, yeah. and it was totally just from uh, an you know intense feeling, mm-hmm. which I think is just a, a big part of it is that it was it was raw. And mm-hmm. it, I think it kind of follows the roller coaster of emotions of like right. being kind of like the verses are like kind of calm and low. And then it like the chorus kind of escalates and this like, and then we, I don't know, we sing really high in that part. Yeah. And then actually my dad has a hand in this when yeah. we were showing him this song and the, the bridge where Riley plays, playing a, a lead part and my dad suggested that we like repeat um what did he exactly suggest well like, he, james is an expert at like he loves that tension yeah so that part in the guitar bridge that goes da, 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 and it just repeats that phrase like yeah. while the chords are changing underneath there's that beautiful extended yeah. instrumental part in the middle mm-hmm. yeah so it's like keeping some things stagnant while the melody is moving yeah. over top of it that okay. kind of creates this yearn- yearning. Take what you want I'll give you
songs are being formed, how do you think they end up in the musical style they do? So, for example, mm -hmm. how does the song tell you that it is a waltz? Or does that maybe, yeah. does a song maybe try different forms? It just, yeah, it, that's funny because I've noticed recently, I'm like, I, I, try, I write a lot of waltzes. <laughs> or like, <laughs> I want to write a lot of waltzes and sometimes I have to be like, no, try to do this in 4-4 four -four or whatever. Yeah. Um, so will you yeah, sometimes try the same it, idea in a 4-4 four -four versus a waltz and see what happens? Maybe at the very beginning if, yeah. I, if I really don't have a clear idea what the song's going to be yet. But um, like Hollowed Hearts, for instance, that just, that just happened. I never considered right putting doing it as anything else for me like song ideas just kind of appear and then they some if i don't write them down or record them they just disappear so they mm -hmm. kind of just like flit in and sometimes they'll just flit in as a certain thing yeah um but i also think it's like sort of what you're what you listen to and and the sounds you hear in your head as like inspires what kind of yeah what maybe what you've listened to recently yeah right mm -hmm. yeah um, let's go back to the record as a whole. You recorded this in Louisiana, right? Mm -hmm. How do you think that sense of place with its rich musical tradition made its way under this track, these tracks, if, if you think it did? I think it did. Um, I'd never been to Louisiana before, um, but I, at the place that we first met um, out in Port Townsend, there's good friends of, of, of mine who show up every year from Louisiana and bring really rich Cajun uh, tradition. Okay to that to that place so it's it's a music that sort of feels like home but it feels like home uh over in port townsend yeah there's a lot of overlap with cajun music i also grew up going to well when i was 16 i went to this the, uh, this camp called augusta um in west virginia yeah and i went during a country the country week which like you know classic country music but it was also paired with cajun week mm -hmm. so there's like a lot of overlap yeah. anyways okay. with cajun and um old time and country mm-hmm so a lot music. of that maybe was already in there in your music before yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, not probably not that deep or anything, yeah. but yeah. it's yeah. you know it's familiar and importantly we just have uh, you know front connections with with yeah. people who live down there and I mean, musicians on the record were from the yeah yeah area. so I feel like that was kind of the main thing. So the guy who produced and engineered the record, his name is Joel Savoie, mm -hmm. and he's a great. Um, Cajun fiddler, and he kind of helped put together this great band of people that he's worked with before, who many of them were from Louisiana, okay. um, some from, from Nashville, actually. But yeah, I think his kind of, his, the, how he created the band certainly was part of it. Yeah. And just the sensibility of like being in a room and putting together songs. I think that we related from our experience in the old time, in traditional music or old time music, I think that there's there's overlap in just how Cajun musicians, old time musicians, traditional music yeah. musicians in general approach music and approach putting together music together. So. Yeah. Doing a lot of aspects live when possible oh, okay. to get you know a good energy and yeah yeah. So um, you were playing all together at some points for some of these songs. Yeah, there's at least Most. a couple songs that were totally live. Most of them. Um, and most of them were most like ninety percent yeah. live, but maybe we revisited yep. that's um, great. certain aspects of it. But yeah, that's definitely part of it. Let's talk about another song, "Leaving on Our Minds." Yeah, mm -hmm. lyrically, this lays out a recurring theme on some of these songs: distance and mm -hmm. distance in relationships, right? But it puts it in a great kind of honky tonk framework. 
Mm-hmm. Great pedal steel here. Lyrically, it also kind of nods to that hunky-tonk, hangdog kind of style, right? So this is what you were talking about before, about taking your take on some of these mm-hmm. older styles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what can you tell us about this song? This song was one that, that I started after we had just had a, a visit together in Portland. We were staying at this Airbnb and Riley had to leave. Like this fantastic recording studio where yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Riley had to leave at like four four AM or something to go back home and then mm. I was I woke up in this like really echoey Airbnb right. by myself and it was just really lonely. <laughs> um, and so then I just kinda started walking around and started um, writing this first verse of the song and yeah, that was my first year at a new college as well. I transferred there and it was just a, a time of transition and isolation and yeah. figuring out a new place. I remember I wrote the second verse in, in dorm shower um, <laughs> there, um, but Riley helped write the chorus, and which I think would, is a very important. Would you say I helped write the chorus? Riley wrote most of it. <laughs> no, I'm just te- totally teasing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was definitely, um, and I think the chorus is definitely a nod to. Yeah. I mean, it, li- lyrically, it is a nod. We, we referenced Silver Wings. Yeah, I was listening to. I think we both were like ton of classic country. Uh, I was just set up my like mm-hmm. record player and was just spinning all this Willie and 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 Merle and just kind of getting getting into that scene and I, I wrote this in like one of those practice rooms or I wrote the started to write the chorus I helped write the chorus um, <laughs> in one of these practice I rooms I had nothing to do with the chorus <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah playing on the piano even though I don't play the piano well at all it just felt like kind of one of those honky tonk piano vibes there's nothing that I hate more than a Sunday the day that decides all good things must end It's looming there a sorry reminder That goodbye's lying just around the bend Well, it will stand the test of time And we'll have to walk back point out Vivian your last record's theme was time yes. right <laughs> here we have distance yeah. and space mm-hmm. right what's next mm-hmm. if we keep going with this if you keep going with this uh-huh. I think we might end up solving the mysteries of quantum physics yeah. right? <laughs> I hope so <laughs> I'm going to suggest gravity for the next one oh, yes. we can kind of there you go yeah these these big I, totally unintentional but I guess that's just how how I was going. <laughs> I know, it's really bizarre actually. <laughs> um, let's talk about the song Love and Chains. Yeah. Uh-huh. Here's the one I think most pushes you out of the traditional string band mm-hmm. themes and into the indie world mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a lovely song in sound as well as sentiment. 
Um, Riley, you take lead vocals here, right, on this song. Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of trade off a little bit. Can you talk about how this one came together, maybe in the context of venturing further from the traditional forms that you were in? Oftentimes when I um, venture from from traditional forms, it just, I stumble into it. So I literally, I made plans with a friend in the town I was living in, and uh, it was a small town, so I wandered over his house and walked up to his room, and he wasn't there, and he, he actually never showed up. Um, <laughs> but I just sat in his room for like three hours, uh, and his telly was on uh, and the amp was on, so I just grabbed the okay. telly, and there was this sunset out the window, so I just sat there and, and played electric guitar, which is not something that I had done much to that point. So I kind of just stumbled, and it always every time I do that, I kind of discover something new because I'm not used to it. Um, so I I just was sitting there w waiting for him, and, and this little song start um, came to me, and it as is typical for me, I you know I wrote one verse and put it down and uh then we worked on it for like a i think a full year um wow so it just came in little bits and pieces and i would bug i would bug viv like viv can you please help me finish that song and she would never do it um until she did yeah and and and, and actually that friend who was uh who flaked out that night he also uh his name is sam bailey he's a wonderful person uh and a great songwriter uh he was one of the writers on um uh, time is everything from Viv's first album. Mm -hmm. um, he he also helped kind of give some direction to that song. So so we owe him two debts: one for mm -hmm. being <laughs> late, or mm -hmm. and no secondly, show. actually <laughs> helped with the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, a funny um, co co writing process. Yeah. It took a long time, and also it was, I think. I've been trying to remember how we got to the place of trading off of us basically both singing lead, you know, like switching. I, I come in with harmony and then I take the lead for the chorus and right. then Riley takes the lead. Um, and I think that was kind of just a fluke or like when I started working on it I and I started coming up with the chorus or whatever that part was. Because I would like we we wouldn't change the key for whether you were singing it or whether I was singing mm -hmm. it. So I just started doing something that worked in my range that Riley couldn't sing in his range, and so we you know started doing it like that, where he sang one part and I sang one part, and it felt not cohesive. And then I was like, well, maybe what if I come in halfway through on your part, and then um, it just kind of evolved from yeah. from the from trying to co-write that together, and it being just in different places in our in our ranges. The way your the vocals come together on this song is really remarkable. I think it's one of the hooks of the song, of mm -hmm. which there are several, but uh, whatever you ended up doing yeah. works. Oh, <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Cracked white ceiling Staring disbelieving While you lie asleep A smile on your lips Still a kiss Soon tomorrow we having coffee just to keep ourselves from fading like the heat. Fades to fall. Don't talk about love and chains, and let's not talk about the plans we made. Why don't we just sit and watch the sunlight fade? You and I, we pretend. Turning and that we 
one more song. Yeah. Um, Red Hen. Yeah. I often like to talk about the outlier song mm-hmm. on the record. You can kind of get insight into the whole from the ones that are mm. a bit outside, kind of like the exception that proves the rule or something maybe. Yeah. Um, the other songs seem to be deeply personal, not necessarily your personal truths, but the narrators in these songs are talking about personal things that maybe resonate with the listener. Here we have something that I think talks about maybe bigger picture yes. ideas or concepts. So can you talk about this song in terms of that Mm-hmm. Um, contrast. Yeah, at first when uh, we were were getting ready to record, I we 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 wanted to do this song Red Hen, but it was I was concerned of whether it fit in with the right. the rest of them because it is very different. It's but, weird. It's really and it's weird. kind of weird. <laughs> you um, think it's a weird song? It's kind of a weird song. I think okay. it says that we it starts with that kind of odd riff. Yeah, and and. It, it's. I think it's beautiful, but it flows in a way that's not like the other songs. In the yeah. Record. Yeah. So yeah. So this was a song that I I wrote more um, about a political moment um, and imagining a part someone's perspective in this in this moment. And ultimately, I do think it fits in with the rest of the record. It's a. It's still about distance, but it's kind of about a broader um, cultural political distance yeah um rather than like one in a relationship in a, a romantic relationship i i wrote it it just came out um when we were in at fiddle tunes again in port townsend and i was taking some time to myself and um my hometown lexington was in the news that week because sarah huckabee sanders um came in to a restaurant in lexington red hen yeah Okay. The red hat. And my friend's <laughs> my friend's mom was uh, is the own, one of the owners oh, of wow. that restaurant, and so it was. Uh, she after talking to her staff, um, many of whom were LGBTQ plus people, and, right. uh, you know, people uh, of color, people of color um, were uncomfortable with serving her, and she asked Sarah B. Sarah Huckabee <laughs> Sanders to leave, and. In the weeks following that, it was just an absolute mess, and people were coming from all over, from Ohio and all these places, to boycott the restaurant and calling her and giving (laughs) death threats to her and her family, and they had to shut down for months because it was dangerous and um, just this this crazy, dramatic moment. And I was in on the West Coast, just reading about my hometown, and um, I read this person that you yes, yes, and so I read an interview that she gave. Um, where she was kind of talking about her, I don't know, her, her experience yeah. with all this. And um, I just I wrote this song, kind of what I imagined she was feeling. Talk about live performance for a minute. I know yeah. we're running. Oh, I've used up a lot of your time, but I yeah. do want to talk about this. It's fun. Um, what do you think makes for a good live show? What are you trying to bring mm. to your audiences? Mm. So different. Like we've talked a little bit about 
um, the onlys and, and yeah. the duo, and it's so different in those two. That was the settings. second half of the question, oh. so you can go there now. Yes. <laughs> um, for for the duo, I think that we're trying to. I don't know. I, we haven't talked about this, so I, I'd be interested to hear what you think, Viv. But we're just trying to convey the songs, I think, and let the songs and cr- and create a an, a vibe like wh- how we would sit around and play them at home. Mm. Um, something that feels intimate and honest, and just lets them speak for themselves. And and hopefully, you know, some line or some melody will strike someone, and and they can carry that with them. Um, so we're not trying to be or put on anything that doesn't feel honest in the moment i think for the onlys it's just it's a, it's more of a party uh okay. and, and i like when people get rowdy and 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 wiggle uh we've been playing to a lot of i can wiggle <laughs> <laughs> well you better you better come down and do it <laughs> um we've been playing to a lot of people and like this summer we played a fair amount of outdoor gigs with the onlys and people sitting back in lawn chairs and I like to remind them that it's okay to get up or or wiggle in their their lawn chairs right uh, and and people have, have gotten down down and dirty in their lawn chairs yes <laughs> uh, and, and and I think that yeah do you find, are there common threads between your live performance between the two you've contrasted it can you now compare yeah I mean also in our in our duo live performances we do bring in traditional mm-hmm. music. I yeah, mean, we always do true. a couple traditional songs that either that are totally traditional or that we've um, maybe written choruses for that right. didn't originally have choruses. Um, so we're definitely ch- trying to trying to show that part of our music as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the onlys also does. We we do meaningful so songs true. too like it's it's not just party party it but it <laughs> you know there's there's lots of things that are yeah um deep as yeah. well yeah. and i think in both we're just trying to convey a love for playing together and old music and bringing it into today mm-hmm. and um making yeah hoping that people find something that brings them joy <laughs> yeah. or well I hope things. to see both of these acts in the next couple of days so I will be able to report back uh, <laughs> what you just said and see how it holds <laughs> but I'm looking forward to seeing both of your uh, performances it's such an interesting you are so lucky to be able we talked earlier about balancing it out to have these two ventures mm-hmm. that you were both in and it seems to be really fortunate that you're able to make these both work right so yeah yeah it's great okay i think i've taken up enough of your time i've really enjoyed this conversation vivian and riley thanks so much for being here and i hope you enjoy your american fest thank, thank you so you. much for having us this yeah. is so fun to we've done so many zoom interviews over the last little while and it's just so fun to get to talk in person oh my gosh it really is i haven't done an in-person interview in a while so it does feel good to look you in the eye Mm -hmm. and and have this conversation so thank you yeah thank you thank you take my hand